Andrew. Good morning. If you're watching us online this morning, welcome to you. If you're listening later in the week on podcast or watching from our website, it's great to have you join us as part of our, our worship time here this morning. Um, imagine for a second that you had planned a family vacation for your whole family to take a cruise to the Caribbean. You, now, you're a middle-income family, so a trip like this requires two years of saving money in order for you to go. Deciding as a family to forego eating out, uh, you have a little bit of a smaller Christmas the year before your big trip, and you can't wait to go because it's your family vacation and you know it's going to be one of these once-in-a-lifetime opportunities. As part of that trip, you decide that you're going to go to a country that you've always wanted to go to, the Bahamas. Turquoise waters, white sandy beaches, swaying palm trees, right? What's not to love? So you make your plans and everybody commits to go. And when you're about 10 days out before your trip, you're noticing on television that there is a storm that's kind of forming out in the ocean and it's kind of coming that direction. You inquire, ask some questions. Everybody says, no, it's okay. You just keep going. So the day of the trip comes, your family shows up, you get on the boat and it's spectacular. The food is great. Your kids are having a great time. You've met some friends. You've read two books already by the side of the pool. But as you get further into your trip, you realize that the storm that you had been watching is now heading directly your way. So finally, the pilot informs everyone that you're changing your route. You're going to dock in the Bahamas a little bit earlier and ride out the storm. And the storm is Hurricane Dorian. When the storm hits, it devastates large portions of the country. 70,000 people are homeless. Over 13,000 properties are destroyed. And a growing number of lives are lost. It's a humanitarian crisis. Now, the cruise ship is fine. All of the passengers have been okay. And the storm has passed. It's time for the ship to leave. But the crew and the passengers are convinced they cannot leave with the country in this situation. So the captain declares to the 3,000 passengers the decision to stay and extend aid to the people living closest to the ship. He declares in his address that the decision is rooted in a deep sense of purpose. So suddenly the cruise ship becomes a beehive of activity. The crew works double shifts and assembles 10,000 meals, which the passengers help box and deliver. They handed out 300,000 bottles of water to people in the community who did not have clean water. Kids and youth formed long lines and goods were passed from person to person, getting them off the ship to be given to people to take to people in need. Other children were gathered together in, in a room and they were making up cards for people who'd been impacted by the storm. Other passengers, whether the ship gave them permission to or not, were donating pillows from the ship and lawn chairs and towels and medical supplies to anybody that had, had need. Now rewind the tape for a second and imagine if you're the family that's been saving for two years to go on this trip. And imagine meeting with your travel agent and the travel agent says to you, I've got a unique opportunity for you. You're going to go on a cruise and in the middle of this cruise for three days or for two and a half days, you're going to stop and you're going to volunteer 12 hours a day to help people that you don't even know. Do you think you would have signed up for that, that cruise? Here's the irony. For the people who were on the boat, 
It was a life-changing experience to help the people that they got to help. We're in weeks four of our series, Five Gifts for Busy People. In the first three weeks, we've talked about getting some control of our lives, trying to manage the busyness that plagues so many of us. We talked in week one about choosing what we do and what we don't do, what we say yes to and what we maybe need to say no to. We talked about Sabbath keeping, making sure that in each and every week there's a day for rest and renewal and worship. We talked last week about daily bread that God wants to give us, eat what we need for each and every day of our lives, meeting us in our point of need. And so these first few weeks have been focused on helping us kind of get some control and wrestling with what is most important in life. And with all of this new time and freedom, I love, I'm excited to introduce you today to gift number four, the gift of serving. Now, I know what you're thinking. I knew this whole series was a scam. He's just trying to free up time, and then he's going to sign us up for all these church things that need to be doing. This whole thing's been a setup, right? Well, no, not entirely. <laughs> this has been a series about wrestling with what's the story that we want to tell with our lives. Where does true life really come from? And I'm guaranteed, I just can't believe in the depth of my bones that the greatest joy that you will ever have in your life is to know that your life counts to the Lord's work in his kingdom. That there's no greater gift in your life than to know that God used you for some purpose greater than your own comfort and convenience. In fact, when I ask people to volunteer, I feel like I'm doing them a favor. I kind of expect a thank you card in about three or four weeks from them for helping them experience this great joy. Whether it's behind the scenes or up front, whether it's in your church or serving in your neighborhood as you love your neighbors, whether it's weekly or once a month, hands-on or administrative, to think that God could use my life for his purposes and to touch the life of somebody else is the greatest thing ever. Now, as soon as I talk about volunteering, immediately, what's our first response? Guilt. At least if you grew up in a Baptist church. And I'm going to say to you today, you should feel guilty. But not for the reason that you think. You should feel guilty because you and I get to sign up to help others, but we get more out of it than we give. We should feel guilty about that. You come to serve, but you leave feeling better than the people that you served. You came to help them, to teach them something, and they in turn help us and teach us something. I remember talking with Helen Breen, a longtime member of our congregation who passed earlier this year. And she wanted to talk to me about her funeral. And uh, Helen had taught an adult or a young adult Sunday school class here for a number of years. And she said, Rob, when I but die, I want the students in that class to be my honorary pallbearers. Now, we'd, as we were having this conversation, I would just kept thinking, it has been so many years since Helen had taught this class. But she was so touched by the lives of these students. She was so blessed by serving them, by giving 35 weeks a year of her Sunday morning from 9.45 to 10.45, preparing a lesson and knowing Helen probably bringing fresh homemade treats every week. She was so blessed by them that when we had her funeral here earlier this year, her Sunday school class were her honorary pallbearers. That's the gift that God wants for each of us. John chapter 13, would you turn there this morning, page 1673 in the Bible in the seat in front of you. 
or you can look it up on your phone as well. John chapter 13. The context here is this is the last days of Jesus' life before he's to be crucified so that you and I could have forgiveness of sins and eternal life. And as he's preparing to send his disciples out into the world, he's going to remind them of the essentials of their work and their calling through this act of feet washing. John chapter 13. I'm just going to read through to the verse 17. And try to picture this as I read it. It was just before the Passover feast. Jesus knew that the time had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, and just listen to these words, he now showed them the full extent of his love. The evening meal was being served, and the devil had already prompted Judas Iscariot, son of Simon, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, you're not going to wash my feet. And Jesus replied, you do not realize now what I'm doing, but later you will understand. No, Peter said, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Then, Lord, Simon Peter replied, not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. Jesus answered, a person who has had a bath needs only to wash his feet. His whole body is clean. And you are clean, though not every one of you, for he knew he was going to, who was going to betray him, and that was why he said, not every one of you is clean. When he finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I've done for you? He asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightfully so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. I tell you the truth, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. Let me just make a few observations about this passage as we wrestle with our calling as Jesus' disciples to be servants in the world. The first is this, it's all about love. We sang about it in the song, Reckless Love. Serving is not about guilt, it's not about penance, it's not about feeling bad for having more than others. It's not about people who have all the answers helping people who don't have all the answers. It's about love. Having loved those of his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. And serving must start with love. God has loved us. And our serving is an extension of that love to other people. People are not projects. They're not assignments. They're not things to get fixed. They're the children of God whom God loves. And God has called us to serve his children with his love. We hear so often today about the church needs to be relevant to the culture and relevant in our day. I guarantee you there's nothing more relevant than love. And when we have experienced the love of God and are able to express that to somebody in service, 
Walls come down and their hearts open like nothing else to the good news of Jesus Christ. And Jesus wants to grow the hearts of his disciples for the people that they will serve. And he wants you and I to grow our hearts too for the people in our world. And so Jesus lays the foundation for any service to others. And it must be about the fact that God has loved us. And now we extend that love to others through service. The second thing, service is about meeting someone else's need, not doing what we want to do. Jesus washed their feet. In Jesus' day, people walked in open shoes on dusty roads. Not only that, they shared the roads with animals. Do I need to go further? Or are you getting what I'm hinting at here? There was open sewers in his day. So when you entered into someone's home, your feet needed to be cleaned. But foot washing in Jesus' day was done by the slave of the home, by the servant in the business, or by the disciple of the rabbis, and never the other way around. So when Jesus kneels down to wash the disciples' feet, everybody in the room was uncomfortable. This is not how this works. But what I love about this example is Jesus chooses a task that is so low, so unpleasant, and so beneath him in order to show us what it looks like to serve other people. Because let's be honest, feet are gross. There's no exception. Feet are gross. Bunions, sock lint, hammer toes, pigeon toes, fungus, deformed toenails, and we're not even talking about the smell, right? And those are just my feet, okay? <laughs> but Jesus does this menial task to push his disciples to remember serving is about meeting someone else's needs. And that means that serving is not always fun. That means when you're serving somebody, it's not going to be worthy of an Instagram post. The kind of servanthood Jesus is modeling is the kind that reminds us that serving is not always about doing fun things. It's about doing the things that need to be done in the lives of the people that God has called us to serve. Now, Jill and I are mean parents. We openly admit that um, because we make our children do chores. And none of the chores in our house are fun. There are some chores that are less fun than others, um, but we've developed a saying that Jill and I think is really crafty, but our children don't really like. And it, it goes like this. Helping means doing what needs to be done, not doing what you want to do. And they love it. They cheer for us, of course, whenever we say that. In other words, when it comes to household chores, if we allowed everybody just to do what they wanted to do, the floors would always be swept and the toilets would never be cleaned. Fair enough? The same is true in the body of Christ. The same is true as we live out Christ's mission in the world. Even in our congregation. Um, are you enjoying your nice, comfortable seat this morning? You've got your own personal, defined space, not like a pew where people could get too close. It's soft. It's cushy. It's comfortable. Right? It's got that little rack on the bottom. You can put your feet on it or your Bible or for some of you, your half-filled cup of coffee that you leave for when it gets stacked later. Do you ever wonder how these seats get set up for you every week? I can guarantee you it isn't because someone dreamed of the day that they could stack and unstack chairs in church. It's a two-hour job. It's about 1,000 calories required. It means collecting all kinds of trash and all kinds of uh, crushed-up bulletins and all kinds of stuff. But aren't you glad that someone is willing to do what needs to be done, not necessarily what they want to do each and every week? This is what it means to be part of a family. 
Why do I raise this? Because when we talk about wrestling with busyness and trying to make our lives less busy and trying to get some control over our schedules, I don't, wanna, I don't want you to think that I'm giving you permission only to do fun and easy things. Don't confuse becoming less busy with doing just the things that you like to do. Don't confuse being less busy with just doing things that make you happy. Sometimes being less busy means there are seasons in my life and spaces in my life where I am kneeling down and washing someone else's feet because the need demands it and God's love compels me. Third, serving requires a change of attitude. I'm captured in this story by the image of Jesus getting up from the table and taking off his outer garment and laying it down. It says literally in the Greek, he lays it down and puts a towel around his waist. This symbolism is important. Jesus is modeling to his disciples and to us that we will need to lay some things down in order to become servants of others. Jesus, or John, uses the same language in John chapter 10 where he describes the shepherd who lays down his life for his sheep. It's the same language. It's not about a change of wardrobe. It's about a change of attitude, a change of posture. And this is our struggle in our culture today because we're surrounded by a culture that says this, true life is found when I'm doing whatever I want to do. True life is found when I've got nothing on and I can just be completely free to come and go as I like. True life is found when I'm dependent on nobody for nothing. Isn't that true? It's the message that I wrestle with in my own hearts. That's why I put this message in week four, not in week one. Because I wanted to talk first and foremost about the things we say yes to. I wanted you to wrestle with having some time in your week, each week where you knew you'd get a rest, where you knew you could get renewed, where you would wrestle with God as gifts for me each and every day, no matter where I'm at in life. Before we wrestled with, one of the greatest joys that God has for you is to give your life away to somebody in service and in love. Now Matthew, the, the gospel writer, has probably captured most of the difficult sayings and challenging sayings of Jesus. And he says this in chapter 16. Then Jesus said to his disciples, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way. Take up your cross and follow me. If you want to try to hang on to your life, if you want to try to kind of free your life, if you want to have the most amount of freedom, you're going to lose your life. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. You'll discover where true life and true joy is found. Jesus is saying, if you want to be my disciple, you need to take off the idea that true life is found in all of these other things, just being free and being able to do whatever I want or only doing things I like and lay it down. And pick up a towel, wrap it around your waist and be ready to show the love of God to the people around us. Lastly, serving unlocks blessing. If we want to see more of God's blessing in our world, more of his mercy poured out around us, then we need to serve. I joked at the beginning of the message, you should feel guilty in this message. But guilty because you get to serve people and you get something back in return. And I heard two examples of it uh, in this last seven days. Uh, last Sunday, Pastor John was here telling us some stories about the Hope Mission and some of their outings this past summer. And he talked about a trip to Shediac and also to Deer Island. 
And as he was talking about the trip that uh, the group had to Deer Island, he was kind of recounting um, some commentary from one of the volunteers at the church in Deer Island who'd played host to us, who took a full day to serve us, who set up their church building, who organized a worship service, who fed our folks, and who kind of um, took their boats all out into the ocean, used up all of their own gas in order to tour us around so we could go whale watching. Do you remember how she ended her, co her, her, her comment? She said, we got more out of it than we gave. How does that happen? God blesses. It's a supernatural thing. God blesses. The second occurrence happened um, on a, an evening this week. I was talking to a leader who was imploring me because they had a volunteer position that needed to be filled and were explaining to me how important it was and what needed to be done. And then it, they said this, and I wrote it down because I knew I would use it here. They said, if, they, if you can get someone to volunteer, they will discover what we've all discovered in this ministry. You get more out of it than you put into it. How does this happen? God blesses. God unlocks blessings when we as his disciples take his posture and share his love to the people in the world around us. So in the night Jesus has this last night he has with his disciples, he calls them to a life of loving service. He didn't apologize for it. He was not signing them up to drudgery. He knew that as he did, they would discover where life is truly found. And that's why gift number four for busy people is serving because too many of us are too busy to serve and I think you're missing out. You're missing out on one of God's great blessings in your life to know that your life mattered to eternity for somebody else. As we've been doing this series, we've been providing homework. So let me get right to the homework. I want to suggest three things and I know what you're thinking. The ushers are going to come down with clipboards and sign everybody up for everything. No. But let me say three things. Some of you need to ask the Lord to grow your heart. You need to ask the Lord to grow your heart. And your heart grows when you experience more of God's love. And you need to open your heart and say, God, show me your love so that my heart can grow and I have this desire now for more and more people to experience the same love that I myself have just experienced. The other thing you need to do is take time to wrestle with the people who've been so instrumental in you coming to faith and you getting to where you are today. This will help you grow your heart. I had a conversation with someone recently who was struggling to commit to something. It was, I think, a once-a-month kind of commitment. And so we got talking about it, and I said, well, tell me about your, your growing up years. How is it that your faith got to be what it is today? And they described to me their youth group years being so important to them. And so I said to them, you know, you had youth leaders who gave hours a week for like 30 weeks, 35 weeks a year. They came early, they stayed late, they cleaned up after you, and I'm guessing there was nights they did not want to come out and hang out with you. Just a hunch. They came anyways. And they served you. And that consistency and you knowing you had that loving Christian adult in your life helped you get to where you are today. What if you got to be that for somebody else? What if God would grow your heart to have a vision for that? Some of you need to ask the Lord to grow your heart. Secondly, for some of you, it's time to find your place. 
If you would say, I've been attending Rivercross, this is my home, um, I'm, I'm connected here, I want this to be my church family, then I need to tell you that we have an expectation that you'll find your place to be involved in the mission and ministry of our congregation. This is not drudgery, and I don't apologize for this in the bit, because I feel like we're doing you a favor. If you want to find out more, you can fill out a tab and just hand it to us at the door, and we would love to chat with you. We, have, we talk about our three C's here at Rivercross, celebrating, connecting, and contributing. Celebrating, which is gathering for worship. Uh, connecting, which is we find a place to be our spiritual home during the week, some people that we can connect with. And contributing is God's using me to help carry out our mission. And one of the images we use to kind of capture that mission is a river. And because everywhere the river flows, life abounds. As a river flows, it brings things back to life. And we've said, what if that was us, the reputation of our congregation, that God was using us to bring people back to life? Did you know that you and I are the river? And that it requires us bowing our knees and saying, God, I am willing to be part of the blessing that you want to bring to somebody else's life. Now, I know what some of you are doing. You're crunching up your bulletin, you're putting rocks and sharp shards of broken glass in it, and you're getting ready to throw it at me, because they threw them at me at the first service. Because you're doing two or three things already. Maybe you're doing four things already. And I'm not asking you to take something else on, not at all. But I'd say there's some of you here who need to find your place so that one of those people who are doing two or three or four things can give over one of their things to you. And so they can do the things that they love doing but with greater energy and effectiveness. So today, maybe you need to sign up a tab, fill it in so that we can help you find your place to serve. And thirdly, is a thank you to those of you who give so much of yourself. You know, it's humbling to be here. You, I encourage you, come some morning at 7.30 and sit in the foyer and just sit there and don't do anything and just watch how many people it takes to provide a morning of worship for everybody that comes. It's humbling. Sit in there, watch every day of the week that something is going on here. Here, River Cross Mission, it's humbling to see the number of people who put down their ideas of what they'd rather do with their week and they put a towel around their waist and they serve people. And maybe that's you today, and maybe you're just kind of like, you're tired, you're doing the same thing, you've been doing it for years. My call to you today would just recommit yourself to serve in love. That God, thank you for this opportunity. I get to impact a life. Fill my heart again with your love that I might share it with more people. All right, back to our cruise ship parked in the Bahamas. Something critical had to happen on that ship for those people to rediscover a greater purpose for their life. The, sh the ship started out as 3,000 people who were focused on themselves so they could do whatever they want each and every day. And the cruise ended to 3,000 volunteers who were actively involving themselves in helping other people. But a change had to happen. And today, my hope is for you, that you would be open to seeing that this is a gift that God wants to give you, to enrich your life, yes, but that so that someone else's life could be blessed. Let me pray. Lord, today, we thank you that you want good things for us.
you want us to have the joy of knowing that this one life that we've been given to live would be used to impact the life of someone else for your kingdom purposes. Whether it's through upfront things or quiet behind the scenes ways, God, you would use us. There's no greater joy. May we discover that gift for ourselves. We pray this in your name.